Good evening, section crew, and welcome back to the second section podcast. I'm your host, Greasy Meat Hands, and tonight <laughs> I'm going to be joined uh, by none other than Mike Ostertag. Um, thank uh, Mike. Um, how you doing? How's it going tonight? I, I've been looking forward to this all week because I have had a pretty bad week, and uh-huh. uh and uh, it's just, uh, it's going to be nice to just sit down, relax, and talk for trains for an hour or so, hour or two, or however long this takes. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, too, because tonight's, tonight's main topic is uh, something that you and I are uh, pretty familiar with, um, and that's freelance model railroads. So um, I know that I got the old branding on tonight here for the Mascoutin Valley. Um, I have double I, branding going you on. You have tonight. double branding. Ooh, <laughs> I got the my Farland Terminal. Yeah, my Farland yeah. Terminal shirt. And in the background, wait a minute, wrong hand. Right here is a mirror that I had made for my Wisconsin and Midwestern Railroad. See, and I, I think that's almost more important than the model railroad itself is that you have to have swag for the model railroad. Um, because I mean, how, how do how do people know? That you're a freelance model railroad. So, um, right. Yeah. So, in, I just, uh, we got 16 people already joined the live show here. Um, Tim D, hello. Uh, Isaac, hello. Um, Thunder Ridge Railroad um, is in the house. Weston Overland in the house. MRL Trains is here david winther thomas klamoski's joining us this evening in the chat adam cruz is here as well um as as tonight's uh podcast um carries on uh feel free to ask questions and if you're in the chat tonight um say hello um give a shout out and and uh yeah have some fun again normal standard uh model railroad podcast on the internet's uh rules apply uh, let's keep it uh, fairly decent tonight. Um, that way, I don't have to boot you out of the chat. So, um, so Mike, it's it's been it's been a fun week to say the least. Um, and and um, tonight we're talking about the the freelance the freelance model railroad uh, freelance model railroads. But first, um, we're going to follow our normal show um schedule where it's just you and I and we're going to talk about what's on our workbench and then I'm going to assume we have a short line of the show oh do we ever do we oh, okay I, yeah, I oh, always yeah. look forward to it and and then um and then we'll get on to our main topic of freelance uh model railroads um there's I got some content that I want to show off as well and then, um, but at the very least, it's it's a topic that I really, really like. So, uh, so a few more people joined us in the chat. Wigwag Workshop is here tonight. Hello. Um, Graham Stockfield, Robert Walkowski, um, Split Rock Mining Company is here. Welcome, Tom and David uh, Karkowski. So, does, welcome does everybody. Tom even work anymore? I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I want I, his I, job. <laughs> I see him. I see him online a uh, fair amount. So yeah, good stuff. Anyways, yeah. so moving right along, it's been it's been a it's been a fun week, 
have you have you had much opportunity to get out on the workbench uh, since our last show? I've had ample opportunities to get out on the workbench, and I've got. You know, it's sometimes it's not always about the the big stuff, the big big projects that you're doing. Sometimes it's just the little things that you're doing, and sometimes it's just about trying something to see if it will work or seeing how something looks. And I'm going to share my screen here real quick, if it's all right. Uh, let's see here, share screen. And we're going to go here and here. And we're going to go right to my inbox here. And I'm going to show a couple of, uh, I emailed myself some pictures. Yeah. Okay, first, one of the things I did on my layout is I put up, the fascia all the way around my layout so or at least about uh, 90 percent of it's up and i should actually if you would indulge me here quickly i have to find there it is i forgot i forgot to send myself the uh full-on photo uh, of my layout showing all of the fascia in yeah there we but as you can see right here uh, I have a the fascia in. This is so simply pre-stained right from Menards. Three, uh, it's a three inch by quarter inch, just square molding. That's it. Just flat stock, Oaks flat stock. And the difference is, I think there's a two dollar difference between the natural, the unstained stuff, and the stained stuff. And for two bucks, I'll let Menards do it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's a lot less headaches. It's even. You don't have to worry about, oh, goodness, I did this wrong. I did that wrong. This doesn't look right. Whatever. And then, so uh, I'm hoping that I don't screw this up too bad right here. Uh, I just want to check my mail quick. Here's the way it ended up looking. Oh, wow. So, uh, you know, it, it turns out where it finishes the it finishes the edge of the layout really nicely. I have it sticking up about a quarter of an inch. Actually, I took a, a, a block of like a scrap piece of this molding and I, I, I went and I just kind of put it up against the edge and I used that to level where I wanted all of the, uh, where I wanted the edge to go all the way around the whole layout. Okay. So, so that way I have something to, put scenery against i can put buildings against not really worried about cars falling off of it sure but but more or less just something for something so that it's not you know right at surface level yeah you know and and since i have a relatively flat contour to my layout i didn't i didn't bother trying to put any shape into it or any kind of hillsides or anything yeah. like that because i want you to be able to see all that and then right here if you look um uh, i have switch machine knobs in uh-huh. and i have i have my blue points i i have blue points under here okay and and i'll i can cover this in a little bit more detail maybe with a video on my farland terminal page when i get over to doing the switch that's over here uh but what this is is it's remote control aircraft uh linkage cable it's like a sleeve with a yellow uh a yellow cable that goes through plastic it's all plastic and then the knobs are simply uh f- like flower pots wooden flower pots 
right. that you could find where they just screwed through the bottom or they come with a hole in the bottom. I just put a screw through it right into the linkage and just pulls it back and forth. It, it, there's no worry about it stripping out or anything like that. And the switches, they all work really well. Then the other thing I did, I've, I've also done, is I've put in a couple of 3D printed uh, um, proto-throttle holders in a couple of spots oh. on the layout. Yeah. Yes. these I got, I got these done in St. Louis last year from the boys okay. down at Iowa Scale Engineering. And, hashtag uh, not sponsored. Hashtag not sponsored. First one of the night, folks. Hashtag yep. not sponsored. But the it, the the beautiful thing about these is that it, it, it they fit lower down. I do have a couple of other ones that I had to make. They like I had to build. They were laser cut, and they're really really nice. But they sit way too high. Yeah, they're they're a lot higher up than what I than what I prefer, and in order to secure them to the layout the way I want, uh, I would actually have to put a piece and drop a piece down underneath where this is just to secure it. And I really mm -hmm. don't want to do that. I've got them there as a backup, um, but I, I'm going to probably pick up a couple of more of these uh, as time goes on. So another thing I did is. Lines uh -oh. West, yeah, <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> yeah. Lines West uh, makes the Milwaukee Road style of switch stands, and yeah. not the Milwaukee Road wasn't the only one that used these. There were there were several railroads around the United States that used these, but the Milwaukee Roads are the most you know known. And I use the the Milwaukee Roads feather target for my Farland Terminal Railroad, uh, and. The reason I do that is, and, and we'll get into developing the story of your railroad mm. later. But the reason I did this is is because uh, when the railroad was built, the Milwaukee Road was actually like a partner contractor type of thing. So they used their switch stands, you know. So this there's a whole different story and a backstory to this that I will get into a little later. Okay. Uh, but they are they they this does not operate yet. I haven't got that far, but I did just get it to the point where hey, this looks pretty slick. Uh, yeah. Um, the other thing I've done is again from Iowa Scale Engineering. Ooh. These you can you cannot pick these. I, I am gonna say this much uh, right now. I hate, I hate I, it when people do this. I know <laughs> these are not. I I do not believe these are available. Uh, what these are is they are the it is the plate for the proto the, for the proto throttle boxes that they come in the the covers. Sure, you know, and so I picked up a whole bunch of them for really not a whole lot, uh, and um. I decided to use them as maybe a diagram plate. And so I just taped off the track diagram onto it with some, uh, some of the Tamiya six millimeter masking tape. Yeah. And I just took some orange spray paint and just went over the top of it. And obviously it's not done cause I have to letter it and everything yet, but, and it's only on here with double, <laughs> it's on here with blue painters tape that's doubled over on top of itself. So it's kind of just sticking there. <laughs> so, <laughs> So it was just kind of mocked up, but here but you, you can see 
you, you can't see, see those it switch. from the road, Mike. Though I mean, I mean, you would <laughs> never know that that's just held onto your fascia with blue painters tape. No, yeah, I, no. I, I, I know. I got kind of stupid lucky with it that way. <laughs> but yeah. here you can see the the those little flower pots. You can yeah. see where the, how they screw into the to the linkage. Uh, the other thing I did is I started to work on the rest of the trackage. This switch that was right here. Uh, it's it's actually right here. Uh, this is one of my other um, victim switches that had gotten all cattywampus on me earlier in mm. the year. Yep. And and so uh, it was time for me to start taking this out and rebuilding the switch. Well, I might as well rebuild the curve. And I actually took I actually took the. Uh, uh, I actually took the uh, track, the, the flex track out all the way to the switch that connects right here. So like this, is, you can see the flex track still there when I took this picture. Yeah. I, I took it. This is all gone now. So now it all looks like this as well as the uh, lumber company spur. Uh, this is going to be uh, Frischella's lumber. And then this is going to be, you know, the I'm going to reuse this switch and, and get it working the proper way. And as of right now, it sits, that's the way it looks. This is, the ties are glued down. The switch is not spiked in yet. Hmm. So, uh, so far, I'm pretty happy with the way that's all progressed. Um, and, you know, to kind of quote Tom Jacobs a little bit, you know, this kind of goes into the hour a day thing. You know, sure. you, you know, you come down, you spend a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, hour and a half, whatever you have handy, and you, you just make yourself productive and you just go ahead and do what you can do. And when it's quitting time, it's quitting time. This stuff isn't going to go anywhere. It's going to be there tomorrow. So you, you don't have to try to get everything done in all one's fall swoop. So that's, uh, that's what I've been working on. Um, a so little bit here, here and there. <laughs> that's that is, that is really uh, so. That's that's quite a nice flurry of activity you've had going on here um, in the past couple of weeks since we last talked. And I know you had the. Uh, I know it's not necessarily a, um, a what's on your workbench topic, but uh, did did you not uh, in our in our hiatus here? Did you not attend the? Uh, Proto uh, an RPM meet up in the Twin Cities. Let me tell you something. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> I had one of the most fun Saturdays I've yeah. had in a long time over at the, uh, I believe it's the Twin Cities division of the NMRA's uh, okay. Modelers Modelers Retreat. It's basically an RPM. It's open to anybody. You don't really? have to be an NMRA member to be there because nice. you know I'm not. And, yep. You know, there Ken Ziska does a great job putting it on. If it weren't mm -hmm. for him, I don't know that we'd have one around here. But all sorts of really cool models. Uh, real, you know what? That was so dumb of me. I should have. I should have. I have a ton of pictures here of sure. that. I should. I should have loaded them up. But it was. Uh, it was so fantastic. Yeah. Good clinics. Scott yep. Thornton put on a good one about his uh, Iowa interstate layout. Um, yeah. Um, Bob Rivard did one on open top or like open, like open top loads or, or open loads, like flat car loads, gondola loads, things nice. like that. 
Those are always fun. I tell you what, there was it ever interesting and a lot of a lot of really good information. Um uh <laughs> Yeah, and Tom think, cornered Tom cornered me and interviewed me, and I uh, I think he may have lived to regret that because you know how I am. If somebody asks me a question, there's never a short answer. <laughs> so, yeah. but but it was a great time. It was an awesome time, and and I never go to one of those things without learning something. Sure. So, so yeah. Out of, it, out of curiosity, Mike, I'm just going to keep pestering you so you can't transfer files back and forth. <laughs> um, but out of curiosity, did you take any models with you? I did. The display? What did you display? I did. I displayed my Farland Terminal switch engine, ah. uh, my Milwaukee Road SW7 that's in progress, okay. uh, Milwaukee, a Milwaukee Road GP9 that I have in progress, okay. uh, my GP35. Oh, wait a minute. Did I take my GP35? Um. My GP38-2 went with me. Um, my GP20 that I did in Milwaukee Road went went with. Uh, the engine house I had went with, and then okay. a handful of and then a handful of freight cars. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a ter- uh, a question here. Did you post that to your Farland Terminal Facebook page? I believe I did. Okay, I believe so- there was a there was a ton of pictures that I took. Uh, oh, I also took that Milwaukee Road caboose I'd been working on. Uh-huh. Um, and, and the one thing about these things like the modelers retreat and these RPMs, everybody wants to come and show off their, uh, like, Hey, the, 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 this is going to be kind of condescending, but the, uh-huh. Hey, look at, look at what I've gotten done or look, sure. look at what I've done type models. Um, yeah, there we go. Uh, and it's these, these RPMs really encourage bringing unfinished unfinished items it that's that's where the real topic of conversation comes in is where the how the unfinished models get to the point where they're at or or how you got to something especially if you have one that's done one that's not and it's the same engine yeah so you can show the progress it that's what these rpms are all about and and a sharing of information um, a big bonding opportunity for you know to to meet new modelers. Uh, I I forget everybody's name because I'm old, but you know it's it's. <laughs> but so many great people that that came and asked questions. So many compliments. Uh, it, the atmosphere was electric. You know, electric. wasn't like man. It, it, I mi- I must have missed one heck of. Of a of a, a model a modeler's retreat. There were a heck of a lot of good conversations going on. Uh, Thomas Gazier actually had a very funny, uh, a little thing at their booth that if you wanted to complain about the SDL thirty nine, it cost you a dollar. And at one point, I still had... I, I still owe Tom a dollar for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and it's it's just. Uh, it's it was just amazing and a lot of fun, a lot yeah. of good side conversations, and the and like I said, the clinics were amazing. These guys do such a good job. I suggest anybody that can get to the modelers retreat next spring, or, or next March, March next yeah next March, uh, I believe it's the next one. Uh, go to it. It will definitely be worth your while. 
it absolutely will be. So that's awesome. Like I, I just, um, you know, I, I've, I've heard a lot about it. So on the crossing gate podcast, you know, uh, with Tom and, and crew over there, they talked about it. We had William Sampson on, I know he was a participant in it and, and, I, and quite a few people in the chat tonight, um, were, were there as well. So, um, if, if you were there, um, at the, at the modelers retreat in the twin cities, uh, just give a shout out and a, you know, a howdy do to, and a thanks to, to Tom and, and the crew that are, that, uh, helped put that on over there in the twin cities. So, and I do want to show you one thing here quick. Okay. Uh, it, this is ridiculous. This, I cannot remember the gentleman's name. But he he went, and I gotta just double check to make sure I got this in here, because you know we're well oiled machine here. It is this. I mean, if if production value is what you're looking for in a model railroad podcast, uh, the the second section podcast is no finer um, <laughs> of of an example of smooth production here for model railroad podcasting and. And it's, you know, I think it's what gets the big draw. So while, while you're looking for do, that. Um, do you, here, it's right yeah, here. You got Do you it? see this? Yeah. No, check. Oh, I, oh, my gosh. I better get that on screen. Okay. What are we looking at here, Mike? That's an N-scale passenger depot that's completely fictional and completely scratch built. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, w- it's nuts. It, this is kind of some of the things that were there. Oof. That's yeah. amazing. So, th- so let me let me ask you this: Did uh, Rivet Counter Randy come along and and kind of call you out that your um, your switcher that you had in there wasn't um, of of a true prototype, or was the freelance crowd, um, I guess, uh, accepted at the RPM as well? The freelance crowd is always accepted at the RPMs. There were uh, several. Uh, freelance opportunity or uh, uh let's see what are they trying to say freelance um displays is a good way of putting it and i just want to find one more picture i feel really bad i apologize to everybody for being so ill prepared with this thing because i just totally forgot all about the about that even though it was phenomenal night um it was it was so uh Let's see here. Where am I at? I'll have to send this. There are so many. There was just ridiculous amounts of freelance stuff there. Really? Yeah, there were a lot. There, I, I, I'll have to. I'll post on our page, uh, a, uh, some of the photos from it, and I'm sure that um, there are other photos that are. Here's another shot of. Here's another oh, shot wow. of that depot. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty and, impressive. And this is all he's told me. It's just a conglomeration of a lot of different favorite depots that he's had. He just made it into one building. Wow. Yeah, it's just it was it's ridiculous. It's and it's very detailed. So, like I say, you know, it's it was it was a lot of fun. Freelancers are more than welcome there. So that's awesome. So the the name is just a bit of a misnomer. It's just for people that really enjoy good modeling and sharing the process and and you know talking trains, right? It, it's a modeler's retreat. It's not actually a RPM. They yeah, just call okay. it. It's a, 
it's a modeler's retreat. So that's outstanding. It's open to anybody that models. So cool. Well, I'm just chomping at the. I'm yeah, how about you? <laughs> I, I actually, I actually did some stuff and things um, this week and this past couple of weeks that I'm, I'm really, I guess, proud of myself. So as a, as a younger, I guess, youngish modeler, just getting back into things, um, I got the, the old, uh, you recognize these, right? The tortoise switch machine here, and um, this, you know, some people are just. Uh, absolutely terrified of these things because they can be a little intimidating to to wire up but i managed to and again this is just a demonstration here but um i managed to do this whole thing without even using the soldering iron and so if any of you guys know me um i am not deathly afraid of the soldering iron i just choose not to use it because i think there are better ways to go about stuff um, so basically what we have here is I have a terminal connector um, that has got a plug into a wall wart. And, let's, and we're going to do a live demo here and let's see if this works. <laughs> you know what's going to happen. You know it's going to crash and burn <laughs> horribly, right? So let's see here. I, do I have it even plugged in? I have no idea. So we're going to give it a shot here. Look at that. Ooh. Isn't that, is the, this is, this is high grade quality entertainment you know a guy just did a did a um (laughs) he did a wire up of the tortoise machine but then the other thing that i did this week um so that accurail model that i did for model railroad news um um it i i actually went ahead and did a, a weathering video on it and um so here's the let's see here's the model here um so i went ahead and um, this is my first attempt at graffiti, um, but I didn't use any chalks, no pan pastels, um, no weathering, or excuse me, uh, just nothing but uh, airbrush, paints, oils, that type of stuff um, to get the to get the car weathered. Did you happen to have a, did you happen to have kind of a template type of thing? Or did you see a car that you, like the graffiti stood out to you that you said, Oh, no, I kind of like to try that. Or did you just kind of wing it? I just wing, I just winged it. Um, and again, I use some, some materials that, what? what? <laughs> I just noticed a name on the screen. <laughs> oh, um, Greasy meat hands. <laughs> yeah, The greasy meat hands. Yeah. Um, I did wash my hands prior to to handling that car but um for me it was it was just uh i just wanted to to wing it and try to do some stuff freehand um and so i i did a i did a youtube video on it so if you go over to uh the my andy dorsch uh youtube channel out there you can find uh, the video for that again hashtag not sponsored here but um i used um um like a a, a texture paste um, for the lading spills, um, I, I used some different washes and enamels, basically stealing a lot of techniques from military modelers um, and and essentially applying that as opposed to just plastering uh, pan pastels or or some other things uh, like powders and chalks to the to the model. So um, thought thought it turned out pretty well for again, a first attempt. So, and I got some good feedback some, from some people giving me some tips on how to do better tags and stuff. 
So pretty excited about that. That's really cool. I'm not a big fan of graffiti because of the arrow that I model. Sure. But definitely see, I've got some pictures that I've taken from work. If you want to challenge yourself, I've got a couple that uh, I'd kind of like to see. Yeah, like, I mean, like, like grape ape. I've got grape. I saw somebody did an awesome grape ape on the side of uh, of a box car. <laughs> yeah. So that's that was pretty much uh, my last couple of weeks. Um, not on the video right now. I did I did do a little more work on the layout. Um, so behind the camera, um, I put in a siding, um, and I'm working on finishing off that um, room as well or the, 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 main, the main layout room and getting all the track laid and stuff like that. So I've been working on that uh, in the past couple of weeks. So things are moving on the Mascoutin Valley Railroad. So I haven't torn it down yet. That's, <laughs> that's good. So that's, that's what's, what's on my workbench. So um, just uh, before we get into our next segment here, um, we do have 49 folks uh, on the stream tonight. So again, thanks for joining us. Um, if you joined us late, the topic this evening is freelance uh, model railroads, and that's going to be our main topic. Um, but before we before we get to that, um, we have our second segment of the show here, which uh, again is a fan favorite. It's the, the short line of the show. Um, so this is a segment where Mike, um, takes over the the con here and um basically we will let mike kind of introduce the segment but to the folks in the chat if you have any questions comments or funny little quips that you want to put in there along the way uh, please do so and i'll make sure to get them up on screen so mike it's time yeah. for the short line of the show <laughs> okay guys this one was actually pretty easy um it's a little bit of a mystery, mysterious railroad to a degree. Ooh. We're we're traveling out east now. We're going to leave the people in the Midwest and out west uh, to fend for themselves for a little while. We're going to go okay. out to the east. We're going to go to east. east we're in Connecticut. Yeah, we're in Connecticut. Connecticut. Yeah, and the okay. railroad. The railroad that I chose is the Housatonic Railroad. The Housatonic. It is an iconic short line railroad. I don't know if there's too many people in the railroad industry that haven't heard of this railroad. Really? It is a, uh, it's got a really weird history to it. It, it was, it, from what I could read, it was a thing. Then it wasn't the thing, and then it became a thing again. <laughs> it was, but it's it's based in Connecticut. And here's their uh, their main website. Uh, oh man, we're getting we are getting some we are getting some static in the chat. That's oh, too big boy. for a short line. No, nope, no, no. <laughs> it's only 161 miles. So you so it is it is. It is, I've done tiny railroads almost the entire time. Tiny itty bitty things. This is more designed for a person who wants to try to build a basement short line railroad. That okay. is more than, that is more than just a, 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 a small shelf or something like that. That's why I, I went this route because trying to mix it up a little bit. Okay. Sure. So they're based out of Cannon, Connecticut, 
And uh, from everything that I've been able to see and, and understand. Is it a the, share? Is it a screen share moment, Mike? Oh, good God. Yeah. Yes. Good Lord. Yes, Don't again. I do this like every time? Every time. It's yeah. Every so it's, time. Okay. Who's a tonic? Who's a tonic railroad? There we Ooh, go. Look at that. Yeah. That is yeah. pretty. People in, I mean, it is pretty. Not only are they Packer kind of colors, they're CNW yeah. colors. You know, it, it's similar to the Chicago Northwestern, I should say, similar to it. Sure. But, uh, yeah, it, and here is their, here's their main website, their actual okay. company website. Um, they, they have the history on this thing. They've been around for a long time. Wow. Yeah. A portion, I, be, I believe a portion of the railroad is a part of it's from the New Haven and there's part of it's like Penn central and it's just, I, I suggest you go through and read uh, on it because there's like a lot of information out here on this railroad. Really? Um, yeah. There's like a lot of information out there, uh, but it gets a little blurry. The newer you go, the older stuff, seems to be a little bit more clear from what I understand and what I've seen. Um, okay. It, it freight wise, I couldn't find a whole lot. Honestly, I couldn't find a whole lot as to major commodities or what they do. Obviously they must have, you know, obviously they, they've got some, they, they do lumber. Uh, they've got covered hoppers that they've, that they're, you know, loading and or unloading here. Yeah. Um, it, it, it obviously, <laughs> it's a pretty railroad. Sure the scenery, is. the scenery looks gorgeous. Their main locomotives are GP 35s. What? Yeah. I thought those were all scrapped. No, no, no. They have a couple of GP 38 twos right now that they're leasing, but they've, they still rely on GP35s. Yeah, we're getting we're getting fact checked right in the chat here. That's fine. I yeah, you know what? So I have no pro oh, no, I don't want to do that. No, don't do that. Never don't do that. that. So, <clears throat> hey, I've got no problems with people telling me I'm, you know, whatever. No, it's just it's just uh helping. So New Haven Rail says lumber, trash, lime and ethanol, etc. Et yeah, that's so. that's good. Yeah. So, here's a little history on you know, on, on Wikipedia and granted it's Wikipedia. So take it for what it's worth. But I mean, uh -huh. for the most part, they're relatively good. Uh, but it's a 161 mile railroad. It's been around since 1840. Whoa. Yeah. So it's, it's not new. Um, and there's just a lot of information on this railroad that, that, it's kind of fun. Sure. It was it was kind of fun to do a little bit of research. They actually had passenger service, and there was talk of there was talk at one time of um, possibly bringing some bridge traffic passenger service back to the line. And I'm not sure whatever happened wow. with that. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's just. You guys are going to have to do, if you're interested in the Housatonic Railroad, 
you're you're going to have to just go through and and take a look at at what you have. Um, I just got a bunch of pictures here. This is a GP35M. It's got the paper air filter. Obviously, it must have been deturbocharged at one time. Yeah. I mean, how could how could you not like? No, one thing. They don't have very many freight cars. They have hardly any. So right there, that helps with your uh, modeling because yeah, you don't right. have to worry about You can just worry about the customer's cars that you need. Check this out. This is still running in Bangor and Arustuk paint. No way. Yeah, as you see it, this is 2014, but I, I have seen some pictures uh, from 2020 and 2021 of this thing still operating just like this. They never painted it. Wow. <laughs> right? I mean, if it works, you know, why why give it the DuPont overhaul? Right. You know? At, at one time, they had a, a, a small fleet of uh, RS3s. And I, I believe this is the one of the last ones that were on the property. I'm not sure if this one's been scrapped yet or not. Wow. Even this, even on the RS3, this paint scheme just flows real nice. But you look at, if you look, this is a, for, I believe this is a former Conrail unit because this has been repowered with an EMD. They got the... It's got the two little radiator fans here. It's got the uh, EMD, uh, the EMD exhaust stacks, and yeah, this has been repowered with an EMD prime mover in it. That's kind of cool. Yeah, there's another. I, I believe that's a Jeep Nine, uh, Providence and Worsh. Oh yeah, that's right. You're from the Midwest. You can't say those words. I can't say that. I can't. I know it's Providence and Worcester. What Worcester? Worcester. But this is a former. I believe this is a former SP unit. Uh, if I remember right, and looking at the way the lighting is set up here, sure. that, that kind of goes that way. Uh, our GP9. Uh, believe this has got heritage of new york central or penn central something along those lines uh so but still just look at the modeling the modeling possibilities you have with this you have a small fleet of locomotives that is very diverse even though you have similar models each one each one is different this one dynamic brakes it, you know the sp lighting package all the the different paint scheme and lights then you go the pilot there. lights on the pilot this has got the same thing lights on a pilot but this has got the more traditional headlight location paper air filter box that sticks way up yeah, right. uh you know um low profile fuel tank mm-hmm. underneath you know uh so the side skirting has been cut away so you, there's a lot of different um, possibilities for modeling here, and I just got some this GP that looks like a painting, doesn't it? Yeah, it looks like something uh, Bob Frischella would put together. You know, I was I, I was <laughs> going to say the same thing. Hashtag not sponsored, by the way. No, <laughs> no, but but if you do see this, uh, if you do see this uh, in the uh, old Depot Gallery. Uh, website one day you know where you saw the picture first yeah exactly <laughs> no that's so, that that is such a cool that is such a cool um scene there and that that could be i mean if you're if you're doing a 
you know, a small shelf layout or um, even like a small basement layout or a four by eight, you come down the stairs and you come to a scene like that. That's, you know, that's your icon scene that, right there. That's your, yeah, that's like your signature scene right here. You know, yeah. um, again, you know, be- look at the brickwork on this, yeah. on the bridge abutment, you know, and that it almost looks like sandstone or limestone block. Right. right. You know, and so Beautiful. it's gorgeous. This is absolutely gorgeous. And to be fair, to be fair, in, no? to be fair, jeez, uh, <laughs> let's not start that. <laughs> anyway, in, in the Midwest, out West, you guys out West have got your absolute gorgeous scenery that, that you guys get to do. The Midwest, we've got our scenery that we get to do. The South, the same thing. But out East... There is just something about the scenery on the east coast of the United States that is like different from everything else. And and I don't know if it's the fact that everything is so compact over there, like everything is so close together, or if it's just the fact that everything is it's just trees all yeah. over the place. Right. You know, you, know it, you, you go through a whole bunch of trees and then boom, you have a city. <laughs> you right. know, that's, right. that's, you know, and, but it's absolutely gorgeous. Uh, here's one of their, uh, their handful of box cars that they have. Um, not sure what the make on this car. It looks almost like it's a, uh, could that be one of those Berwick kind of cars? Not sure what the end. I was trying to figure out the end here. Um, it's an odd end. Yeah, it's kind of odd end. It could be an ACF type of car or a Berwick, maybe. I'm not sure. I'm I'm not too up on that kind of stuff. But hmm. simple, 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 simple paint scheme. Right. Um. Here's one of the passenger cars they have. A baggage car that's kind of, you know. The TLC. Yeah. Look at how high up the handbrake is on this, though. Look how high up that thing is. It's yeah, I'd, I'd need a step stool to get up that high. That's for yeah, sure. No, no kidding, right? Yeah. So there's a bunch of photographers, and I'm not going to go through a whole bunch of these, but uh, there's a bunch of photographers in on Flickr who have taken photos of the Housatonic, and there are some absolutely stunning photographs sure um you know it i mean how right how how do you not fall in love with something like this you know i I just that is really cool yeah the the old east the the iconic east coast signals right there um so, Mike, oh, that's a cool scene. Isn't that something? <laughs> that's, that is, I mean, if that, I don't know, that's East. I would think you would see that scene a lot in New England. That This is taken September stream. 27th, September 27th, 2020, and there's that number 22, the Bangor and Rustic GP7U. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really, that's really awesome. So, this this is like the Hallmark Channel for short lines. <laughs> Who's this? this Iron Mule two thousand and four. Oh. Um, but I just so there's yeah there again it's uh the, yeah it's the, it's really the cool depots, little railroad the depots I mean come on really waterfalls 
it's well that's a damn, you know that's that's a damn waterfall it's a damn <laughs> i mean someone's gonna have to fact check that but again so you're seeing a lot of picturesque scenery here um basically it's a it almost looks like it's frozen in time in a, a little bit there with but some yeah. really iconic shots and then the locomotives i mean for the modern age right they're right. kind of a throwback to the 60s and 70s almost a little bit with you know i mean what penn central and they had a ton of jeep 35s didn't they and yeah yeah and and it's just uh if you are really diesel the diesel shop dot us the diesel shop all one word dot us mm-hmm. this is what they're this is their uh they do a really good job of um, having like motor power rosters for nearly all the railroads in the United yeah. States. Uh, and they always, they always try to do their best they can to get the history of the, of the, of the locomotives on there as well. Right. So, um, you know, it, it it's just, it's worth taking a look at and, and, you know, I know it's bigger than what we've done in but in the past. I mean, right. I mean, it can't all be that. What was it? That seven miler that we did? We did a three and a half mile. Three and a half miler in <laughs> California, right? Right. Yeah. So it was one of the biggest states and one of the smallest railroads. Right. Yeah, and this and is one of the smallest states, and this is one of the biggest short biggest lines. the biggest short lines. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So, you know, check it out. Have some fun with it if nothing else learn something about it you know and and maybe it's, you might see something that like a scene that they off of their off of their line that ooh i might want to recreate something like that yeah exactly you know i always talk about looking beyond the photograph um you know you oh, and i have sure. talked about that right. where where you know it's just not it's not enough like in here this photo you know there's there's quite a bit to take away from this photo other than the two locomotives so it's you know it's it's all is about what you want to see in the photo and what you can take away from it you sure. know so certainly so but yeah this is this was a good one mike i and i just want to give a shout out to the to the chat um so uh dnh and s scale uh, robert welke new haven rails uh joe deluso thank you for adding the um, I guess the, the the color commentary there about the railroad on the side and filling in some of the gaps. So um, just again, it was really cool to get all of this information about, you know, a little railroad all at end of once here. So thanks to the folks in the chat for, for keeping us honest and, and, you know, helping out. And Mike, that was a good one. That's, Thank you. I, I, I yeah. tried. Now I've got to figure out where we're going next. What's after Connecticut. Anybody, anybody in the chat, tell me right now, what's the state, alphabetically, what's the state after Connecticut? I'll take a look here. That's oh, man. It. Let's see here. <laughs> do, do, do. No, we're not doing that. So um, so what, what I, what I want to, um, let's transition now to the main topic this evening. So we got, we got 48 folks still uh, with us on the live stream yep. here. Typically our shows go from anywhere from an hour to um, hour and a half, maybe even two hours. So we're going to talk about the main topic of freelance model railroads this evening. So it looks like, oh, we got 51 up in the chat now. Um, so if, <laughs> you, Delaware. If, you guys, if you guys have comments, <laughs> questions, um, or, you know, the, 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 the comic, 
the comical relief uh, continue to bring that. But uh, tonight is the is the freelance model railroads, and then um, I think what we're going to do too is get the get the crew involved here and um, you know have them shout out if they do a freelance railroad themselves. What do they call it? That type of stuff um, and all that good stuff. So, Mike. Now, are we going to oh. do straight freelance or because proto freelancing is almost yeah. an entire animal onto itself? Yes. So, so I, I, there was a, this is also a nice little plug for our Facebook uh, group, uh, the second section podcast. You can find us on Facebook. A uh, member there asked the same question about tonight's topic, Paul Kasser um, or Kassar. Um, he, he asked, are we going to do proto freelance? um versus freelance and i said that eh, could be its own show altogether so um but i i think what i'd like to do is stick to the to the i guess what i would consider a freelance railroad like so the mascoutin valley or the farland terminal you know where we're essentially um making something up imaginary type uh, land um what do you think mike yeah, I'd like to stick with that kind of a topic okay, because so the, there's there's so many avenues we can go down with that. Yes. So, um, so I'll, uh, I guess there's no real good way to to skin this pig. To be honest with you, there there really isn't, except for to dive right into it and yeah, say, let's do it. Let's do it. Say, why did you why did you decide to model? a fictional railroad over a prototype railroad. Okay. So why, why did I um, decide to do freelance? So I think, I think there's a a couple of factors at play here. Um, I I think, I think for me, I've always, I've always liked the idea of, of almost being like a, an owner of my own railroad, so to speak. Um, and I've always liked, um, you know, creating, I think is, is the big thing, the creative element that goes into creating a freelance railroad, um, you know, really keeps me engaged. Not only do you have to come up with, you know, the logo and all of, all of that stuff, but, you know, for me right now on my Mascoutin Valley, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, basically settling on a place in time. And so right now, um, the first iteration of the Mascoutin Valley was two or was set in the 1980s, but I've shifted that forward now, um, into the early 2000s. So, um, for me, I get to, I get to essentially play God in a sense and, and pick where, where and when, uh, my railroad, um, happened in time. Plus, I don't have any limitations, uh, so to speak. So long as I keep it within the, the time era, you know, I can have um, possibly a, a Dash 9 with a, with a, you know, an SD39 all in the same railroad. So I think, I think having that freedom to do it, what you, what you want um, is really appealing to me as opposed to being really pigeoned, pigeonholed into a specific prototype or even, just having to, you know, model what's kind of been given to you by the manufacturers. Yeah. Now, see, for me, I, 
it kind of started. I see somebody in there. Yep, that was exactly the comment that I was just about to talk about. The the Virginian in Ohio and the uh, and the Utah Belt were the two yeah. model railroads that really got me got me the like bit me the most with the freelancing bug. And one of the things that I always admired about those two railroads was their ability to make them seem realistic. They they seemed like they actually existed. Uh like with the oh what's his name with the Utah belt. Uh he 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 has gone and progressed the railroad as time yeah. has progressed. So right. things he, he hasn't said I'm just sticking with this era. I'm not doing this or I'm doing this. As 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 actual time has progressed He's actually progressed his railroad. So now the SD9s and F7s that used to be, that we used to see a model railroader, those are all retired. They're gone. Um, You know, now it's all big six axle units and and stuff like that. So Eric Brom, yep. Or Broman, yes. And and it's it's just, uh, you know, really, 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 was fun uh was alan mcclellan did the same thing with the vno yep you know where at one point he progressed the railroad with newer power and things As a matter of fact i just watched his video about the virginian in ohio here not yeah, too right. long ago and and it was just a really really interesting those two railroads were really interesting now I was always, I've always been a Milwaukee Road fan. I've always been a uh, Milwaukee Road guy. I've wanted to model that, and I just can't do it. And the reason I can't do it is because I also like the MP. I like mm-hmm. the Katie. I like mm-hmm. part. I, there's too many things that I like to want to pigeonhole myself into modeling just one railroad. So my solution was to come up with my Wisconsin and Midwestern years and years and years ago. Uh, I think I might've been 16 or 17 when I first came up with that railroad. And uh, it's had several different layout iterations in the past and, and I've never really completed anything. I've done a lot of work online with it or like on the computers with it, but I created a railroad that, looking at the state of Wisconsin, there's a reason why nobody ever built a railroad diagonally from Green Bay, Wisconsin, all the way down to Dubuque. If anybody ever goes and looks at the topographical maps of the state. Some hills in the way there. Yeah, there's a couple of things in the way. But my Wisconsin Midwestern uh, did some engineering marveling and, uh, and, and overcame those things and went all the way to Dubuque. Then I decided to scale that back to just Green Bay to Portage. Sure. And and now my Farland Terminal is now a branch line of the Wisconsin and Midwestern that the Wisconsin and Midwestern abandoned or filed for abandonment and to follow like closer prototype behavior the industries and businesses that were being served by the Wisconsin Midwestern on the line got together, formed a company and, 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 uh, 
purchased the line from the Wisconsin Midwestern and created the Farland Terminal. Sure. So I could still use all my Wisconsin Midwestern equipment or use the Wisconsin Midwestern equipment, but I could still use Milwaukee Road. I can use Chicago Northwestern. I can use Katy. Anything that was around like 83 to 85, I could still use that. So, you know. Yeah. So I guess I think this is kind of the, a good time. There's There was two questions in the chat that uh, one came from Split Rock and, and basically it says, uh, does does modeling a prototype box you in too much uh, or is it an, is, is it an, is it an asset that keeps you in the story? I think it, I think it's a huge asset and it's also a burden. Sure. I think it's, I think it's actually both to be honest with you. It, it, the, the asset part of it is, is you know what you need to do. You know, when you look at a thing, you know, the buildings you need to build, you know, the industries you need, you know, right. all that stuff, all that stuff has been done for you in real life. Right. The burden portion of it is, is it limits you in your creativity because if you're actually going to be now, before I keep going on that thought, <laughs> you guys can, you can do whatever the heck you want. There's there's no limits to what you want to do. However, if you start adding things that weren't really there, now you get into the proto freelance side. You're not I think there's three different trains of thought. You have the prototype modelers, you have the proto freelancers, and then you have the freelancers. None of us are wrong. None of them are wrong. None of them's one better than the other way. It's just how you want to approach your modeling. And and for me, I just couldn't I couldn't do my prototype part with the, the way I wanted to. So because it because it was limiting for for what I have here. You sure. know what I mean? Yeah. Um like my house is kind of small. There's no way I'd try to model the Tehachapi loop here. You right. know. Right. <laughs> well and I think I think there's um, there's one piece that I think, uh, sometimes the, the, the prototype, um, um, can actually help out with, with freelancing. So I'll just, I'm going to bring a, so this locomotive here, um, is my mass scootin' Valley. It's a, it's a GP seven that I did. Um, but yep. this one is modeled off of, uh, Chicago Northwestern, um, FRVR 4133. Oh, so, um, perfect. so the bearing caps and all that, the, you know, the, the spark arresters on the top of the model, um, the, the beacon, all that stuff. I use that as, you know, it, this, this locomotive was picked up from the Wisconsin central, you know, when they got rid of it, um, or wanted to scrap it. And my, my broke railroad came along and picked it up and, and has used it in service. So I think, and I think that kind of, Mike, that kind of ties into um, uh, the, the question here from Tom Klamoski. So what, what, what do you think makes a freelance railroad realistic? Well, what do you think? Um, I think, I think it's actually trying to, um, I think there's a couple things. So um you know, you can't say, for me, you can't say you model 1945 and you have dash nines running around on the layout. Right. And, you know, so I, I think, I think you want to have, you, you want to stick to a time and a, and a space and then have equipment be relative to that. I think that's, 
one of the things you really want to, you don't want to, at least, and this is my opinion, you can do whatever the heck you want, right? But in my opinion, I think um, you want to have it relative to time and space. Um, so you don't want to have a coal mine, you know, in the middle of central Wisconsin. Um, you don't want to have, you know, let's say, um, I don't know, a gold, I don't know, like a, a gold mine in, in southern Illinois. They just, you know, those things, they just would never be there, right? So you got to bring some plausibility to it. So um, northern Wisconsin, you know, iron mining, lumber, those types of things, you wouldn't typically have, you know, stuff outside of that there, you know, not not much in the way of grain, that type of stuff. So I think I think one of the, the key aspects is try to keep it prototypical, but then stretch it a little bit, right? Um, bring in some new power. And I think one of the other things that's good is you got to bring in a backstory. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's part of it for me is I always found that it's the easy, the easy part is building the layout, right? That's, that's easy. Anybody can throw some sticks together and, and throw track on it and call it a layout no matter what, whether you're freelancing or whatever you're doing. Yeah. I, I don't understand that, but okay. But, but to me, it's the story. How does, what is the reason for existence? Um, for the freelance railroad, um, freelancing does give, like you said, it, it gives some, it gives you more freedom to be able to come up with things. But like, like you said, you're not going to find, uh, you know, you're not going to find a huge like mountain type coal mining in central Wisconsin. Right. Uh, you know, Wisconsin is basically paper agriculture. Uh, Northern Wisconsin is mining, timber industry, things of that nature. There's, there are things that you can do. There's things that just look out of place. Now, it's not saying that you couldn't do it, but there's, you know, I mean, because you can do whatever you'd like, but it's just, if you're doing the mountains of West Virginia, that kind of screams coal mining, you know, and, right. and stuff like that. So I think depending on the, the location of where you want where where you want your railroad to exist from is uh is is kind of important in telling the story and and creating that backstory helps in your modeling. Um sure. And there are some and there are some places out there uh I think it, one of the railroads, I, I don't even know if it exists anymore, is the Great Lakes Eastern. And hmm. that that railroad, I believe it was like Conrail and, oh, who all merged? It was like a, it, it was like a couple of big class one railroads merged together to create this one enormous railroad in the United States. And, and it, it's very it's, i have some decals i have some ho scale decals for them but uh the story was interesting you know it's it's i like going to guys layouts who do freelancing um uh mike uh pulzer sure mike pulzer uh, he does one call it has a railroad called the fitzgerald western his paint scheme looks very similar to wisconsin central paint scheme 
he he does freelance railroading but with a semi prototypical twist to it yeah because it, it he's kind of on the edge of freelance proto freelance he 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 has town names that exist but not everything that he has is exactly what it's supposed to be where it's supposed to you know in those towns because he's taken the liberties to use modeler's license which is great and his layout's yeah. a lot of his layout's always been a lot of fun to, to run and operate and and so yeah i think i think when it comes to doing it and figuring out what you want to do deciding how big you want to be is one thing uh if you want to have a layout that or a railroad that is bnsf up type size go for it sure uh you can have the railroad as big as you want what part of it are you going to model see that's the difference right <laughs> here right so i i think that 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 brings up another um so i guess so I guess the the big topic that we're hitting on here with freelance railroads, right? So you look at you look at the Utah Belt, you look at um, so we'll we'll throw Split Rock um, under under the bus here. You look at the Split Rock Mining Company, you look at um, some of the other the other big you know or the I guess published freelance uh, model railroads out there. They're all the possible, mommy. right? Yeah, the Mommy or the uh, was it the Allegheny Midland, right? That yep. was a Tony Custer um uh model railroad so you know like those those freelance railroads all had that thing of plausibility working for them they virgin in the virginia and ohio is another one they looked like they were a real um uh they at one point were a real railroad uh there's there were i guess rumors or um fan fan fiction about alan mcclelland making a business cards for his model railroad and going to coal mines and, and handing this this VNO railroad uh, to to people, and it was you know almost like they they just believed them, and he would walk in and get in shots for the for the um, uh, for for his uh, railroad that he was trying to build. And so I think I think that's part of it is is really really um, you know try to make it as plausible as possible. Well, look at look at guys like uh, Tom Johnson with his. Uh with his uh, Logan's port in Indiana Northern. And now he's yeah. got moved down. That's gone now. And now he's down in Florida and he's got uh, a, a bedroom size. I think it's might even be smaller than Tom Klamoski's size. That really? uh, yeah, is Cass County railroad. Uh, but there's that. And we can't be doing this without talking about Mike Confalone. Sure. And, and the Allagash railway and, and, the things that he's done and he's he's actually flip-flopped back and forth a little bit with the freelance completely freelance and then going to the hey my railroad got bought by guilford so now all this prototypical stuff comes flying in or it starts to make appearance and i right. believe he may have gone back to being independent independent again uh so it i think i think that's one thing that that doing freelance railroading, like you say, gives you the plausibility. Plausibility can be measured in a lot of different ways. 
you know, depending on how you or what you're trying to accomplish, I guess would be the best way of doing it. Like sure. if you want to, if you want a Luke Lemon size layout, and uh, you know, and I do, and <laughs> who who wouldn't? <laughs> right. uh, you know, you could you could really go, you know, all sorts of crazy with what you're doing. Because right. you have you have all the room in the world. Now, on my hand, I have very limited space. I know you have somewhat limited space. Awkward uh, space. Awkward, yeah. awkward space. You know, not yeah. everybody's got a perfect rectangle to be able to do their stuff in. So it's uh, sometimes you have to fit the railroad to your uh, uh, to your room size that you have. Sure, exactly. S- so, so I guess that's, that's the other thing, right? So let's, let's talk about equipment. Um, so you, you on your, so you, you have the Farland terminal railroad, right? Yes. And, and what, what, what was your main determinants for essentially putting together the locomotive roster that you put together or even better yet, before we even go down that road, how about a logo? How about picking your logo and 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 any influences there and and why did you pick the color scheme you picked okay well i'm having a technical difficulty my boom mic is about ready to fall right off here it's looking good i mean again top rate production here from the second (laughs) section podcast hashtag not sponsored Um, no who would want to sponsor this (laughs) yeah so we do have a we do have a question here um, from Split Rock. Um, what years is the Farland Terminal in the Mascouten Valley situated in? Farland Terminal is nineteen eighty three to nineteen eighty five. Okay, and the Mascouten Valley has been propelled forward from two thousand to two thousand and five. Yeah, and I'm not saying that I wouldn't uh, or won't at one time advance my railroad into a more modern era. Um, I'm just trying to stick with what's available in S scale right now to help accommodate equipment and things of that nature. So, right. uh, um, I'm, I don't want to start, you know, my railroad is not designed to be huge. So, right. um, now designing, what was the question you asked me about? So I, so we're going to talk about two questions here and, and if other people in the chat have uh, questions that they want to, to bring up. And, and in fact, why don't, uh, if if you have a freelance railroad out there, uh, why don't you put the name of it down in the chat, um, and and we can we'll uh, bring it up here um, so so you guys can get a little um, little press on on your model railroads out there as well. But Mike, I was just I just want to talk about like what what were the driving factors in in picking the logo, picking the paint scheme, um, essentially for your equipment. Okay, I'm gonna start with my Wisconsin Midwestern, and I don't know. Do you have a picture of my one of my Wisconsin Midwestern units? I do, and I can bring it up. Yeah, could you do that um, if it's not too much? Because I don't have one handy right right quick. Uh, I do have. One I do. I got the GP28 okay. right. Okay, so I'll yeah. bring I'll bring that up. All right, so. One of the driving factors for my, before I get to my Farland terminal, when I was in HO scale, my railroad was the Wisconsin Midwestern and that railroad still exists. The whole premise behind the railroad was the fact that we weren't rich. We did not have, you know, 
an enormous amount of money to be able to afford flashy paint schemes. We we did not have money to be able to afford things that needed paint schemes and and and, and high maintenance things uh regarding the the uh regarding the paint schemes on the locomotives. So one of the driving factors behind how I designed this is is I read an article one time about the Rock Island and when they went with their bankruptcy blue scheme. And the question was, is the fact that, or the question that was raised was, why would a railroad that was in financial discord use such a flashy paint scheme that required so much maintenance to make, to keep looking nice? It was, it was a beautiful paint scheme, but it cost a lot of money to not only paint, but to maintain. Now, on the other hand, you had a railroad like the Southern Pacific that had a lot of money at one time, and their paint scheme was very simple. It was just, you know, the, the red nose with the solid gray body. That was it. And right. it said Southern Pacific on it. Right. That's where I drew my inspiration. Now, the colors on mine is, this is Santa Fe blue on the bottom here, the sill. And yep. then L and Gray, Louisville and Nashville Gray, and uh, uh, Don Manlick did the, uh, the the he's been uh, long long since deceased now unfortunately he did the decals for me sure and and so and then the chevrons also and I wanted to just keep the engine simple no turbochargers. Turbochargers cost money to maintain. Units needed to be normally aspirated. Uh, what I mean by that is they needed, you know, they they did not have a turbocharger on them. That's why I have the GP, you know, I wanted GP35s, but the normally aspirated version of a 35 is a 28. So I went with a fleet. My railroad has a fleet of GP28s. So even though 26 were only built, in my world, I bought more. I we bought you know 10, 15, 20 more of these. Sure. So the 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 ability to keep the railroad plausible, like we said, and I think starts with things like your paint scheme, making sure that your scheme doesn't doesn't. Uh, how can I? Oh, it's a really weird word. To stay, uh, it's almost like you don't outkick your coverage, right? So, right, yes, you exactly. Know, you know, yeah, so, so, so basically, you don't want to go all bankruptcy blue um, if you're modeling a struggling railroad, right? Now, I did at one time do a bicentennial bicentennial unit that I was really happy with, and I yeah. can't for the life of me figure out what I ever did with it or who I gave it to or sold it to, but it. It was red, white, and blue, and it turned out great. You know, yeah. it turned out great. It was just something like like Luke is always talking about. It's something different to make the 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 regular stand out a little bit more. You know, yeah, exactly. So that that's kind of the way I came up with my paint scheme, and I know you have a very similar paint scheme that's very simple, also. Yeah, I you mean, know, 
it, mine is mine is very very simple. Um, so the the Mascouten Valley, it's just um, basically whatever they could get their hands on. So this is just a green dip, um, not very original. The uh, the M is actually an M and a V together, but that was based off of the Rock Island logo. So it was it was made up in the 70s. Um, so I have a green locomotive here. This is a GP7. Um, and then I have my other locomotive here that I have painted up as an SD35. Um, and this, I put the story behind it that it was an ex-Southern unit. So it has the, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> has the chevrons and all that, you know, to go with it. But again, very simple. Uh, not much, not much going on with it. I didn't, you know, again, didn't want to have something too flashy that I couldn't maintain, right? Yeah. No. See, there again, y you see a lot of railroads nowadays. Like, uh, I believe there's one in, I think it's in Utah or Colorado, Rock and Rail. Their yeah. engines are they're bright wild. yellow and red. They're, they're crazy wild. looking, crazy looking engines, but super cool, you yeah. know. And I think that a lot of a lot of modelers that want to do freelancing can take some really cool pages out of what these railroads are doing nowadays with paint schemes. Yeah, and I, right. I don't. I think looking back, like era specific would maybe sound a good way of doing it. Like the, the early eighties was kind of a time of transition in the United States railroad wise. Mm -hmm. You know, you had a lot of railroads disappearing, but you also started to have a lot of short line railroads popping up. And so you can, as you progress into the two thousands, you start seeing more and more flashy paint schemes on, 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 uh, on, on locomotives, you start seeing more uh, elaborate colors, you know, colors, you, you know, the gone are the days of just plain gray or, or black right. Or, right. or whatever it is, you know, they're not afraid to, uh, you know, dip their toe into the color wheel and see what comes out. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Now, now you fast forward to like to my Farland terminal, my railroad, it's kind of a startup to a degree. So sure. I haven't really developed a paint scheme yet for my railroad. I'm using a former Norfolk Western uh, SW9 is what it is. I've just simply taken an orange stripe and put it on the side because that's the color paint that was that they had handy at the time. Yeah, right. For whatever reason, that was the color paint that they had. And, and so they made an orange stripe on the cab and put FT and the number 800 on the side. And that was it, but I've got it so that the N and W is ghosted on the side of the, on the side of the locomotive. So you can tell that it's a Norfolk Western and I have other small decals on the locomotive that, that you could tell were there were from the Norfolk Western uh, like ghost type lettering, right? Ghost type lettering. Yeah. So the history of the locomotive is very clear. Now, will the Farland Terminal one day get its get a get a new ur or get a paint scheme? Probably, um, but 
that's yet to be determined. You know, so, I gotta I gotta drum up some business. Yeah, right. <laughs> David Winther in the chat has a quick question. Have it uh uh have either of you painted up boxcars for your line? So um I've done patch out jobs for for my line, and then my or Jennies for my line have their own paint scheme. So um I have I, I have a throwback um paint scheme here with uh the wisconsin wisconsin logo in there for the mascot valley that's my throwback yep um logo and then i've also done um or jenny's here with the uh with the current uh mascot valley logo i'll go get one right now i forgot to grab it hold on so more good so there's some good questions and comments coming in here from the chat. Um, let's see here. Sue, the Milwaukee road says, uh, it's good to see greasy meat hands, uh, share his railroads vision. Uh, the rock inspired logo looks sharp, subtle, not overdone. And just for anyone who joined late this evening, I did, uh, wash my hands. So, um, all the rolling stock and locomotives that I'm handling should be grease free. Um, when I'm done. So, um, let's see here. Split Rock's got a question out there. Uh, when you go or visit, uh, operate a freelance layout, uh, do you want to get into their story, get hooked, or do you just want to run trains? Ooh. Ooh. Okay, I'm back with you. You're back with me. Okay, yeah, I'm going to bring okay. you up. All right, here's my Farland Terminal locomotive. Okay, let me put you up on the screen there so everyone can see that. All right, so if you angle it just the right way, some point in time. But see, like, that's the whole locomotive. That's it. Right. That's all there is to it. And if you angle it, there we go. Kind of kind of partly see. See the NW right yep. by the ladders there? So the, the – and then on the ends, the – around the nose, there's a white stripe there. Yep. That was usually where the – on the Norfolk Western units, that's where the the road number would be right above that. Yeah. So that's pretty and cool. That, you're you're drawing some inspiration from a railroad that's I mean operated in anthracite country. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then by Wisconsin Midwestern, this was an original like in S scale, they did these cars for Cargill. Mm -hmm. And I believe the plating on the plate on the side that said Cargill was nothing more than double stick taped on. Really? Yeah. Very, very simple. Just popped it right off and away I went. Well, that left me with an entirely blank car with all the detailed data and everything else. I just took the old road numbers off, made nice. my own decals, and created my Wisconsin Midwestern. Sure. I still have to paint the trucks on it, but... Now, if you notice the number, and I don't okay. because I'm partly blind here. Oh, I might. You're focusing in and out, but uh, yeah, what is the number, Mike? It's the forty-four twenty-seven hundred. Okay. Well, my Wisconsin Midwestern bases their freight car fleet around the capacity or a cubic the cubic the cubic foot capacity of the car. So this series is a 4427 series. 
so I might have a hundred of these, you know, um, and I'll vary the numbers on them so that it looks as if the fleet is larger than what sure. it actually is. I might only sure. model three or four of them, yeah. but, but you vary the size of the, or the, you vary the numbers instead of having them sequential, you vary the numbers. So that way you, it looks uh, like you have a larger fleet of, of freight cars than what you actually do. So there's there's a there's a couple questions I do want to get to, Mike, and I'm yeah. apologize for interrupting. So split no, no, no. back says uh, when you go or visit operate on a freelance layout, uh, do you want to get into the story, get hooked, or do you just want to run trains? Yes. I I really I really enjoy I'll I'll say that I yes I do want to run trains and but I do really enjoy the backstory um, that uh, the modelers come up with and the creativity that you know they use to say well you know we're taking equipment from this era and that era um, and from this railroad and that railroad and, and you know interchanging here and you know it started off as a five mile piece of track back in 1804 right you know yeah. so those are the things I really I really like to get into. Um, with the story, but again, at the end of the day, sure, I love running trains. In that bottom line, we all like running trains. I mean, that's yeah. But but yeah, I I I find it very interesting, especially when it comes time to how they've done their rosters and 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 how where, like you said before, where they've drawn their inspiration from. Um, because I think I think deep down, every freelancer actually will like with my milwaukee road switch stands there's no doubting those are milwaukee road switch stands right i'm gonna have them on my layout there's my milwaukee road influence on my layout yeah exactly um i think that every freelancer has those prototype influences someplace on their layout right and yeah like for me i'm i'm gonna have a chicago northwestern depot right so i gotta i gotta rinse relic uh number two CNW depot, I want that on my model railroad and it's going to be, you know, that, that CNW influence on the Mascouten Valley. Yeah. I mean, it's when, when you talk about doing freelancing, there's so many rabbit holes you can go down. Um, I think that once you've settled on the where and when. Yep you need to kind of go with the why because every railroad just doesn't exist just for the sake of having two pieces of track or two rails next to each other and having cars go back and forth. There's always a, there's a purpose behind it. Right. And so like for my Farland terminal, I'm just a small little railroad that is servicing a handful of small customers that, wanted to maintain rail service the track isn't going to be the greatest it's not going to be the prettiest it's not going to be 60 mile an hour mainline stuff you're just going to be trundling along you know along a beat up old railroad now my wisconsin midwestern there you're designed to that railroad is designed to service the central wisconsin agricultural industry the 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 uh paper industry in green bay it's supposed to be a bridge route uh yep. for between between green bay and like the milwaukee road and portage 
to help bypass cars that need to go west to the Twin Cities without having to go all the way to Milwaukee. Um, there's there's far deeper there's far deeper purposes there for what that railroad is involved in doing. Um, and so finding the why for your railroad, like, like Thomas Gazier's split rock, uh, yeah, everybody over there at, at, at the crossing gate, they always, they always joke about him. He, he moves dirt. Red dirt. Red, red dirt, red dirt, red dirt. He's, he's moving red dirt, but there's different types of red dirt. And, but you go and you take a look at photos of his, his railroad and his layout. There's no doubting what, what that is. You know, he's there to move my, to move ore, and right. to piggyback onto that. If you ever stop and take a look, he made a very good point with their, their last episode he doesn't say railroad on there. He's a mining company. Yeah, right. So like LTV, uh, North Shore Mining, these guys have big railroads, big big pieces of, of railroad operations, um, but they're a mining company. Right, or so, Erie, Erie Mining Company. Or right? Erie Mining, yeah, Erie Mining. Um, you know, so you could have, you could be an industry. Well, look at... Uh, what we did when we were down in, in, uh, uh, Arizona or not Arizona, Colorado for Colorado, for the, uh, the electric railroad that was just all to itself, you know, that just did nothing, but you go from a coal mine to a power plant and back. That's all it did, yeah. you know? So, you know, I think, I think you need to establish the why, and then you can start really diving into what you want to do as far as as what you want your layout to look like you know yeah and and i think that's a i think that's a really a really good um point that just adds to that plausibility right your your railroad should have a purpose and and i and i think that that's i think that's one of the the things of or one of the i guess uh, keys to making your your freelance model railroad you know almost, you know, to be as realistic as possible is that purpose. Otherwise you're just, you're just basically, you know, running, running around, you know, running around a Christmas tree, right? Yeah. Running you know, around like, a Christmas tree. Yep. Um, but so I, boy, Tom's got a ton of good questions tonight. And um, so he's got, he's got one here. So what would be the top five ways to make a freelance uh, believable? And he's asking the host in the chat and there are some good, there are some good uh, notes here in the chat. Boy, um, I tell you what. It, wow. He's got to stop asking so many loaded questions. Yeah, he does. Right out loud. I mean, come on. It, it, okay. Top five. Top five. Top five. Top five. Top five. Number five from the home Number desk. Five. In, from the home desk in Poughkeepsie, Indiana, or wherever the heck it is. Okay. Uh, your motive power roster. Your motive power roster. Make it believable. Because if you're running, uh, and what I mean by that, per, this is just my personal opinion, 
if you're running a railroad kind of like that little lumber company railroad or that little lumber that went out in California, right? you're not going to be putting dash nines on that. You're not going to have AC 4400s running on that thing. You're not right. going to have 200 car trains. Right. So make your rosters believable. That's number five. Number five, make your yep. rosters believable. Yep. I'll let you handle number four. No, no, this is this. I mean, oh. this is this is per person. Oh, number four, I would say would be minimize minimize the exaggeration. So there's always something to be said about making industries larger than what they realistically should be for where they're at. You know, um, yeah, that's a good one, sticking to your era. So uh, you you may have a paper mill, let's say a paper mill, and if you have it in some small, tiny little town, you most likely you're not going to have this enormous paper mill that is like sprawling and takes up a hundred acres that gets 200 cars a day and all this art kind of stuff in all likelihood, that paper mill isn't going to be in a town of 500 people, you know? Um, however, making sure you have the industries that are set for that era and the size that you really realistically can handle because sometimes paper, like some industries like paper mills and stuff can get a little unruly. So make sure that the, the industries that you are modeling are, are, are realistic. That's my number four. Okay. Modeling industries, realistic to your setting. Yes. That's a okay. good way of putting it. Okay. My number three. Number three, do not overload your layout with track. Mm. That is a, that is a issue on no matter whether you're, what you're doing, but when it comes to doing freelance, I feel it's especially important because you have to create the track plans for everything you're doing. There is no prototype to draw from. You're creating everything. Now, you could take nuances of of prototype railroads and kind of twist them into what you need. But when it comes to loading up a layout, making sure that you are not putting like a foot-wide layout and you don't have 10 tracks going all the way across, you know, Right. Uh, making sure that you you have a track plan that will fit your layout, I guess would be a good way of putting it. A, okay. A track. I guess that's the best way I could put it. Um, that's sure. my number three. Okay. Number two. Number two. <clears throat> I'm just going to take this and I'm going to split the one that I said, motor part and Tom said, stick to your era. Yep. That is my number two. Okay. Is make sure that you're doing things specific. I mean, to the era that you want. Um, 
you know, you didn't really see like, like on the Utah belt, you never saw ditch lights show up until after he got into the 1990s modeling. Um, you didn't see, you didn't see ginormous six axle units, uh, you know, w- pulling, you know, 40 foot box cars, you know, um, making sure that you are sticking to the era and doing, do some research for that era to see what other short lines were doing of that day, because, because that can help. Um, like when a lot of class ones got rid of 40 foot box cars, a, a lot of short lines, class twos and class threes at the time, a lot of those picked up those 40 foot box car box cars. I know the Pickens railway was shipping with 40 foot box cars, like into the mid eighties, you know? Um, so use using, making sure that the era that you're, you're paying attention to the era that you want to, that you want to model and having your equipment reflect that. Sure. And the number one, my number one thing is and this is going to be so cliche. This is to just so cliche, but it's true. Have fun with it. Have fun with it. Have fun with the process. Sure. Talk, talk to other guys who do freelance railroading, you know, um, and talk to other guys who do prototype railroading. Because you can learn so much from doing those things that it will absolutely help you get a focus and it will help you understand how things should look. Because I find freelance railroading very difficult because you have to tell the entire story. There is nothing there that's been done right. for you. Right. So you have to everything from the backstory to what you're actually modeling, all of the stuff and stuff in between you have to have almost a reason for and and so have fun with that process and i think that if you're having fun with that you're learning from it and that that is going to make your modeling so much better i think your, your your railroad will become very realistic and very plausible because you've you've taken the time to be detailed about what you're actually trying to do if any of that makes any sense. Whew. No, that was good. Um, so, so those are those are those are pretty five, uh, pretty good. Um, I guess five things that you want to do to to make it realistic. I'll give you give you my five in the abridged version. I think uh, I think there's something to be said um, for number five um, in the name of your railroad. Um, so it should sound railroady, I guess. Um, you know, so like, um, like the Mascouten Valley is named after a region. Um, I wouldn't call it Phil's Railroad or, uh, Tommy's, uh, train extravaganza. Um, you know, so, so stick to something that, um, is how, how they're, how railroads are typically named. So like Wisconsin Central, Southern Pacific, they talk about places, geography, those types of things. My number four would have to be, 
um, your paint scheme and graphics should reflect your time era. So um, I think I think that's that's key. It shouldn't, you know, some there are some wild uh, paint schemes out there in the modern age. But if if you're doing the '70s, right? You know what were the what was the predominant paint scheme? Conrad, uh, excuse me, uh, like uh, Penn Central, right? Very simple. Black. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sioux line, red and white. Milwaukee Road, orange and black. But it was you know big blocks of color. It wasn't intricate, you know, painted details. So I think your your paint scheme should should be um, related to that to that era that you're doing. If in the newer age where it's a little easier to do some fancy stuff, yeah do some fancy stuff, but if you're doing sixties and seventies and fifties, you know, keep it simple. Um, I think, I think for me, the third thing is the equipment should match your era, right? You don't want dash nines on the layout with a, you know, a Mikado, right? So um, (laughs) (laughs) unless you're running an excursion train or something like that. Um, And then, and then I think, uh, you know, if if you're going to have your own railroad, Try to run it like a, a real railroad. So don't don't have too much of unless you're a, a giant class one. Don't have too much in the way of diversity of of like a, let's say EMD versus Alco power. Right? Um, if you're a small railroad and you're an Alco shop, you should probably all be Alcos because you want to. You know the real railroads maintained uh, the the actual or when they maintained them they they wanted all the the alcos so that they could cannibalize parts and stuff like that make it easier to maintain their fleets and then i think the last thing am i on four or five i don't know um but i'll just make it the last thing uh for (laughs) for me is um i forgot what i was going to say um but i think i think for for me i think the for a freelance railroad you shouldn't be afraid to incorporate the prototype into your freelance. Um, it could be a great guide. Um, you know, you don't have to make every aspect of your story up. Um, so like, for example, if you really like the Chicago Northwestern thrall bay window caboose, you could have them run around on your railroad. Um, and you could say you picked a few of them up, um, at the end of an order from thrall and you went in on it with the CNW or something like that. So, I think having those things and like your Milwaukee road switch stands is a great example. Um, use prototype, use some prototype uh, details to help pull that, that um, I guess to, to, uh, to help you tell that story. So you don't have to make everything up. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned the caboose thing because that actually happened in real life with the green band Western. Yeah. So there's actually two of the Green Bay and Western cabooses were actually part of a Chicago Northwestern order. They were built to CNW standards that the GBW just needed two cabooses and they just tacked those onto the order. And uh, I can't remember if it's the, the six, I can't remember the numbers right off the top of my head, but there were two of them. And so those kind of things make like what you were saying, that that's completely a plausible thought process you know because those things happened all the time um like the milwaukee road u-boats i think it's the u33c's i think they were built to bn standards i think those were actually piggybacked as part of a burlington northern order right so you know there's stuff like that that actually happens in real life all the time so 
Got another question from Tom here. And again, um, you know, if, if anyone else has questions out there for Mike and I, uh, please, please throw them down. Um, so from Split Rock, uh, what steps uh, will you take next to make the Farland Terminal and the Mascouten Valley more believable? Well, I'm going to let you handle this one first. Um, I think for, oh man, I think for me, the, the next step, um, since I've moved my, my railroad up into the, into the, I guess the 2000 era, I know very little about operations in the 2000s aside from what I see today. So I'm going to have to go and do some research on how trains, you know, did, does it differ, um, how they moved across the systems from that in the eighties. I'm going to have to update my locomotive, uh, roster a little bit, um, and some of my rolling stock and, you know, we're going to have to get rid of roof, roof walks on cars and, and, you know, no cabooses anymore. So I'm going to have to do end of, end of, uh, train lights and those types of things. So, um, I think there's going to be a little bit of a equipment overall, but I'm going to have to do some research. Um, cause I want it to be as believable as possible. Um, so I'm going to have to research the prototype to essentially figure out how I want to make my freelance railroad. Yeah, you, and for, for, for the Farland terminal, I think the next step into trying to make it as realistic as I can is to, once I get the track done, actually run it yeah. and see what works, what the, what the best way to run it is. And then come up with an actual operation plan. Um, you know, it, it's the way I have my track layout set. It's not exactly conducive to doing everything along the way. Sure. So there's going to be, there's some things that I'm going to have to learn how to do. Um, I, I'm trying to draw back to when I worked on, on, Dakota rail and there were certain things that we did on the way you know like you'd go one direction one day and then the next day you did all the stuff that way and then the next day you came back and you did the other stuff the other way and it was uh trying to figure out because you know as my railroad's name implies uh and it's been mentioned before modeling that last mile you know yep that that's what my railroad is, is I'm modeling that last mile or two miles or whatever you want to call it. So my railroad is truly a terminal railroad. I don't have a yard. I don't have anything. I have an engine house because my railroad built one. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, because otherwise there was nothing there. There was nowhere to put the, the, the locomotive at, you know, so they built a, they built a track with a, with an engine house in it on it. And so, Figuring that out is going to be my next step. And once I get done with that, because of the era that I'm going along with, I'll probably come up with a pseudo timetable and maybe a book of rules or something along those there you lines. Go. Um, coming up with something like that, not anything that's like a, you know, it's like a, an, an encyclopedia thick full of stuff. Yeah. But something that might be just like a I some place I have from when I was growing up, or I shouldn't say growing up, like several years ago, I had made a timetable for 
a, a railroad I had made up called the Farland Railroad. And I have a timetable that I have completed from that that I was going to draw off of for inspiration to make a one for the Farland Terminal. And all it yeah. is is an eight and a half by 11 pa- piece of paper folded in half. That's sure, all it was. Just a pamphlet. Just a pamphlet. That's all the brilliant and forest junctions was, was just a eight and a half, you know, yeah, right. piece of paper. So it, small railroads don't need elaborate, elaborate timetables and things. So, um, and, and one of the things I would like to do is when that time comes is I would like to have enough of them made up. So like when guys come over to operate, if they want, they can actually take one of my timetables home with them as like a memento that, that, you know, kind of like a, almost like a souvenir type thing if they want to say, Hey, you know, I, I'm operated on this guy's layout, you know, whatever. Right. So just something kind of to take away from the layout, you know, as a reminder of if you had fun or had a horrible time or whatever. Yeah. So, so there's a, I guess a, a comment in the chat uh, from, I'm going to try and not butcher the last name, uh, Jim Kongshog um here and it says tips for staying focused on freelance without continuing to change overhaul ideas so i i do have a couple of uh, things that i do want to show um that are some nice resources for uh coming up and and building a freelance uh, railroad um so the first thing that i'll i'll show is so i got this book it's from kalmbach uh it's called realistic uh, model railroad design. It's written by Tony Custer, but he talks about things that we talked about tonight, right? So, um, and I'm terrible at camera work here, creating a <laughs> roster, right? Again, this has been a, a truly a gem of a production uh, this evening. Uh, one of our better, one yeah, of our better ones, one to be honest. Better ones, freelancing <laughs> with limits. Um, so he, he goes on and talks about a, a bunch of, um, and hey, excellent pronunciation. Okay. <laughs> hey, all right. Hot dog. <laughs> hey, we get we're in the front row. But this book, this book, um, again, I think it's still available at Kalmbach. Um, it's it's a good resource um to get you kind of focused in. Talks about a lot of the things we talked about this evening. Um, and it's a, just a nice little reference point for you to to check back on. Um uh, and just the title of that, I'll, I'll I'll do it one more time here. It's called Realistic Model Railroad Design. I'll throw it up on screen. And that's by Tony Custer. And it's put out by Model Railroader and the folks at Kalmbach Publishing. Uh, again, hashtag not sponsored. Um, and they talk about uh, the Mommy route, the Allegheny Midland, the VNO, some of the, the more higher profile uh, published um, freelance model railroads out there and how they were designed. I think, uh, the second piece is, um, is a Facebook group. Um, and I'm going to share this at my own peril here. Um, let me see. Is it the one I think you're thinking of? I don't know. I don't know if you think, uh, no, but I no. have. I, I think I'm part of that one. It's just it's just called freelance model railroads. Um, and there's there is a cool uh, bunch of modelers in here that really um, have done a nice job uh, pushing the limits. Now there, of, right there, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Taking drawing inspiration from a prototype. 
What prototype? Right yep. What prototype railroad do you think of when you see that paint scheme right there? Oh God, it's almost like uh, the mid south. Mid south, exactly. Yeah. That's hey. exactly that's exactly what I'm talking about. That it looks almost that screams a mid south type of look right there, Mont Montana Rail Link. Yeah, look at that. That's a cool yep. design. That's too, actually so. really. Sl I like the I like the little half maple leaf on the, the back, almost like leaf. a CP yeah. Pac Man type of thing. Yeah. So again, this for me. Um, look at what they did to. Uh, uh, so Tom, I'm going to have to owe you another dollar on this one. Uh, that. You can see that pilot from space. It's just, <laughs> just brutal. Um, that's this is where this is where the SDL 39 hurt me right here. Um, I owe you three dollars now. But again, this again a, a cool little design here for your freelance model railroad. So you should just send Tom a paycheck, and that's, I, that's... yeah. I owe Tom money anyways. <laughs> Um, I, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure I owe money. Um, but again, so I think that, uh, is a cool little resource out there for, for, um, anyone who wants to at least tempt, um, or, or, um, think about doing a freelance model railroad. Those are some two real good ones. Again, a host of Facebook groups, uh, Mike Confalone's Allagash, Split Rock Mining Company. He's on YouTube. Uh, Eric at imrro.com is on YouTube. Those are a couple of really good resources out there as well for um, freelance model railroading to really get some good ideas. I know I've been following those guys for a long time as well. So, um, yeah. So that's yeah. that. Um, I guess uh, I'll turn to the chat here. We're we're carrying two hours. We got 32 people still uh, following the stream. Again, thanks for sticking with us all night tonight, folks. Um, are there any other questions or uh, comments about uh, freelance model railroads um, that that you guys want to bring up? Um, I think this is a really hard topic to discuss. To be honest topic. with you, it, it is because they're so open ended. It, it really, honestly, is it. it yeah. You know, there's no wrong way to do any of this. There really isn't. That sure. now there there's one benefit. Uh, what was talked about earlier? There is a benefit to doing freelancing compared to to doing a prototype. Yeah. In freelancing, nobody could tell you that you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, whereas in prototype, yep, yep. oh, that was never there. That was never there. That was never there. Oh, okay, well, okay, granted, that's that's great. You know, I've had to take. Well, that switches backwards. Well, you know, if I didn't do it, I'd have to cut through a concrete wall in order to make the track go the way it's supposed to. So I flipped it to you know, <laughs> flipped it to uh, make things the way you know the way we need to. Whereas yep. freelancing, yeah, it's kind of anything goes. It's there is no there is no blueprint. You know, so let's see here. I um, so I have a question here from from Jim. Um, do you have um, when doing freelance? Do you use real locations for interchanges or fictional? Um, so I I got something. Let me see here. I think I can share on that. Um, Ooh, oh, oh, there's a great question in there. <laughs> What's oh, that? Boy. No, 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 no. We'll just finish this one up. Okay, so I'll give um let me share the screen here. Uh, hmm. let's try this one. Um so 
what we have here is my my diagram for the Mascouten Valley um, Northern Division, and I actually use real towns um, for the interchanges and the the different locations. Um, let's see here if I can zoom in on this so you guys can see it a little bit. Um, but yeah, so I have Amberg, Athelstain, Silvercliff, Spread Eagle, where we're interchanging with the C or the CN, Chippewa Falls, where we hook up with the UP, um, and then um, the southern part of the railroad where we hook up with the Wisconsin Southern in, in Waupon, Wisconsin. So, yeah, I use real towns. All these are real towns or uh, places in Wisconsin um, for my for my model railroad. Now, there's a there's a doozy of a question. Yeah, and and to go along on this question, also I, having seen in real life, the design of you know the inside looking out mentality of the hobby. Um, I've seen enough interchanges and in different configurations uh, throughout my nearly thirty year career that I've I kind of picked out a style of interchange that I, I that I that I feel is going to suit my railroad and that's pretty much what I'm going to go with when it comes time to getting down to that end of the railroad so it's it's you know every interchange requires two railroads right or well yeah. at least or or two portions of the same railroad so um you know there's always going to be give and take on that and usually the layout side is always the you know you always have the point beyond like what's what's beyond what is physically there right so sometimes that has to play into your interchanges and if you have a big enough layout you don't have to worry about interchanges cuz you can use your staging as your interchange you know you don't have to worry about modeling it so much as you know, like with a small railroad like mine, I almost need to model the interchange. Otherwise, it doesn't make a lot of sense as to how cars are getting onto my layout. Sure. So, sure. I think so, uh, uh, there's, oh, there's just one other question yep. here, and I, I'm going to try this one out. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Soko Olds 455 uh, based on the picture there. It looks like he's got a some sort of Oldsmobile there. Um, what are your opinions on having somewhat of a vague geographical location versus having an actual physical location that were taken over by your freelance railroad? Ooh, that's a good one. Well, I think we kind of covered that a little bit. Yeah, a little we? bit. Um, I'll but there's the question I was looking at. So this, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, so, I think, so uh, yeah. So the answer this to your is, question is, is, I think that it helps to have, inspiration from a physical location but it's like an artist you know kind of like 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 bob ross you know <laughs> bob, bob ross would go and take a look when he's doing his paintings he would always look at a lot of different if you ever listen to how he describes things he he describes going to these locations and seeing certain types of trees and looking at things he didn't he didn't paint the tree exactly the way he saw it he he was inspired by it so I think that being inspired by an actual location, but turning that around into something that is completely fictional with the nuances of the inspiration 
is kind of, you know, kind of a fun way of doing it. If you ask me, I mean, it's just, it, it makes, it makes things, you know, it's your railroad, your rules, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Freelance locomotive leasing companies. All right. There are a ton of them. There are a ton of them. And I am going to share my screen because there's another Facebook page that that covers. It's called, I'm going to get to it here. And while you're doing that. The my... Proto Freelance Model Railroading page on Facebook. Ooh. Stevens Railcar. This has been around for a long, long time, if you've ever followed these guys. Ed Lewis Leasing, EDLX. This this whole group of guys, there are guys here who have developed their own style of, of locomotives, who have taken, you know, they have taken freelance railroading, and I don't want to necessarily say anything that's happened in real life. They've almost cut out. But they've they have virtually created an entire new rail network throughout the United States, wow. and it is fantastic. Now, one thing about one one thing about this lease, if you notice, it's very simple, but yet it has nuances of EMD on it with the little herald here. It's it's his own herald, but EMDs leasing fleet has heralds on the back a herald on the nose simple paint scheme just kind of like what we were talking about earlier you know so yes locomotive leasing companies absolutely go for it make one come up with your own they're all over the place i actually thought that larry's truck electric was fake when i first heard about it <laughs> <laughs> So that's a uh Mike, you'll have to send me that uh that link so I can add that one to the show notes as well. That was that seems like a good little resource. Okay. It must, must be a group. Um so uh Mark Hintz comes in and says it depends on who you're associating with. Some people insist that you're uh freelance or will still insist that you are freelancing wrong. And I think I think that's a there there are those people out there, and again, anything that I say tonight uh, should be you know it's my opinion um and you know especially with free freelancing um I, I really truly believe i believe that there's no wrong way to do it um i just believe that there are ways or my opinions are kind of what i'd like to see happen on my railroad so i think i think from that standpoint yeah there are going to be some people like yeah you're doing it wrong um, but at the end of the day, if it's your model railroad, you can kind of go tell them the pound sand. Um, that's my opinion anyway of on that scenario. So good comment, Mark. Um, it's, it is true. People are out there that tell you what's it's Somebody's can hand them a bag of a million dollars, but tell them they got to walk 10 feet over to their right to go pick it up. And they'd complain about having to pick up, move 10 feet to their right to go get it. You know, yeah, what, so it, it, what my dad used to say that uh, you'd, well, I shouldn't even say it. We'll, we'll save that one for when you guys meet me in person. Those are sometime. post. Those are post show notes. Those are those are post show notes. I just I don't want to get canceled here in our first yeah. year. I gotta I gotta try not to get canceled here. So okay, so this is this has been a really a really good show tonight. Um, I think uh, I think if 
um, we we only scratched the surface on freelance uh, model railroads. I think I think this would be a good topic for broken rail. Um, Absolutely. I think, I think I think we need to de- deep dive this one. <laughs> And so I'm going to make one more um, one more plug here for the Facebook group. That's where we do our recruiting for Broken Rail. Um, so uh, make sure you, you get over there and check us out on the Facebook group and, and join the online community there. Uh, pretty much a post or two is happening every day out there from either uh, Mike or I or some some of the members. So uh, it's been good very active lately. Been very exactly. active lately. Yes. Um, so go ahead and join that. Um, we post all of our upcoming shows there, upcoming topics, and uh, people in the Facebook group have also suggested topics for shows. Uh, Mike and I take those under advisement there. So again, um, I think I think this will be a good a good uh, freelance model railroads. Um, it would be a good uh, broken rail. So if you want to participate on that live stream. Uh, sign up on the Facebook group, uh, hit up Mike or I uh, with a DM, and uh, I think we should we should get get some of the section crew on the show here. To oh, talk absolutely! About their freelance model railroads. So absolutely, love to right. talk to some of these guys. I know it. I do. I, I hey, I, I like you, buddy. But I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, tell me, I, I we need we need some new we need some new blood in here. So yeah, again, uh, thirty three people right up to the end here. Um, I just want to thank everyone in the chat, all the good participants yes. tonight. Um, you really got, you guys really make this show fun. Um, and again, we encourage feedback. So hit us up, make comments, like share this podcast with your friends, share this podcast with your enemies. Um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that'll well. teach them. <laughs> that'll teach them. Make them listen to this. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, no, no, not again. Yeah. Right. So again, Mike, did you have any uh, closing uh, thoughts tonight uh, before we before we tie up for the evening? Yeah, you know, I I hope that nobody thinks that that we tried to come off as either one of us tried to come off as like this is the absolute guide as to how you should be doing something like this because when it comes to freelance railroading the world is your oyster. You can do whatever you want. These are just merely suggestions that if you want to try to make it realistic, that these are just some factors to, that you should think about, you know, and because, you know, like we've said before, there's, you're going to have the naysayers and, and we spend an awful lot of money in doing this and freelance railroading. Boy, I tell you what, sometimes you spend more than what you would in the prototype in the prototype world because you kind of tend to want to overdo things. So, uh, you know, it's just, just take the time to have fun with it and enjoy the time that you're doing building. It's, it's model trains. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, uh, you know, not, uh, not going to change the world, but it's going to, you can change the world in your basement. Remember that. Ooh, that's a good, that's 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 a a, t-shirt. That's a t-shirt. Maybe that's, (laughs) I think we just stumbled across our, 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 our walkout line here on the outro. Oh, Uh, maybe. I already forgot what you said. It was so, it was so, it was so profound. Well, you could change the world in your basement. You could, that's right. You can change change. the world in your basement. Yep. Yeah. Welcome to the second section podcast. All right, gang. So um, again, yeah, this was, for me, it's a fun topic. I've always enjoyed the freelance um, 
And um, I, I really, ooh, here's a here's an idea, a crossover Uh-oh. episode with the Crossing Gate. That, oh. that would be a fun, fun show. Now, now, <laughs> let's see. Where what we have like a like a Grey's Anatomy nine one one type thing going on? Where you or like a, what is it like Chicago Fire and Chicago, Chicago Fire Police, uh, Chicago PD? Uh, <laughs> or what is it like when the when the Harlem Globetrotters showed up on Scooby Doo, something like yeah, that? Remember? Yeah, that? yeah. Well, just remember Ghostbusters. You're not supposed to cross the streams, right? So. You don't want to cross the streams. <laughs> but then they did. But so then they I did. Think, yeah. So that that's a good idea there. Um, and uh, looks like we got some requests to join the Facebook group. So thank you for doing that. Um, Again, I love um, the guys that come in and comment. I love those you guys. You guys are awesome. You know, yeah. you think of stuff that we don't think of. You know, so yeah, it's, I mean, it it adds a, it certainly adds a degree of co- content and color to it. So absolutely, again, um, get over to the Facebook page, uh, sign up, and um, hit us up in the in Mike or I in, in the chat, and uh, we be happy to catch you guys. So, on behalf of uh, Mike. Um, and this is Greasy Meat Hands here. Uh, thanks for <laughs> tuning in tonight. And uh, we'll see you down the line. Have a good night, everybody. Night, night.